Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, readers. I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, Episode 145. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. And readers, I hope you'll consider making your next read my new book, I'd Rather Be Reading, The Delights and Dilemmas of the Reading Life. The book is hitting shelves on Tuesday, September 4th, but today I'm reading you the first chapter. It's an essay called Confess Your Literary Sins. I think it's a great way to introduce you to my collection of bookish essays. And stay tuned to the end of this episode because we're inviting you to confess your literary sins, and I hope you'll join us. One of the reasons we are sharing this little preview today is an important window is about to close, and we don't want you to miss out. My publisher and I have teamed up to create some terrific pre-order bonuses for you. That means anyone who orders the book before release date gets some special goodies for free. The reason we're doing this is that, one, I love you dearly and tell you so in the acknowledgments. Actually, I'm going to read you those right now since I have my book open right here. From the acknowledgments. In a book about the reading life, it might seem silly to thank blog readers and podcast listeners, but endless thanks to the communities that have gathered around Modern Mrs. Darcy and What Should I Read Next. We know the value of making books part of our lives. Thanks for being part of mine and for inspiring this collection. Ah, how good it is. So my first reason for these great bonuses is that I'm seizing the opportunity to express my eternal gratitude in a tangible way to those of you who have joined me in our bookish journey together and who have taught me so much about the reading life. And two, pre-orders are so important to the success of a book, and we really want to sweeten the pot for you to pre-order I'd Rather Be Reading. That's because your pre-orders send a message to retailers. They use your pre-orders as a way of gauging interest in a particular title like mine. So the more pre-orders there are, the more bookstores will choose to stock the book and the more copies they'll order for their shelves. The more copies they order, the larger the print run. The larger the print run, the less risk of encountering one of those dreaded out-of-stock situations where readers have literally purchased all the available books and everyone has to wait for more to roll off the actual presses. Readers, this is seriously my author nightmare. So all in all, pre-orders help get more copies of the book into more places, and that means more people will see and hopefully buy the book. And I would love readers to find this book about reading. That's why we really like pre-orders and why we have these great bonuses. 
here's what you get. If you pre-order one copy, you get the audio version of I'd Rather Be Reading for free. This is your only opportunity to get the book in two formats for the price of one. You get my class, Seven Ways to Get More Out of Your Reading Life, and you get to watch that almost instantly. We are getting such good feedback on this class. I can't wait for you to watch it. And you get a download of the beautiful bookish cover art, which is actually a watercolor of my very own home library. But I said we had tangible bonuses, so let me tell you about those. We are sending them by actual snail mail, and to answer a frequently asked question, we are sending these around the globe. International readers, we will mail you these bonuses. For readers who order two or more copies, my team and I are mailing you, personally, a set of goodies via actual snail mail we created with gifting in mind, because this hardcover is absolutely gorgeous, and you'll want to give it to all your readerly friends. We're sending two signed book plates, one for the both of you, you, same for the two gorgeous bookmarks, and then one postcard print you can use as a gift card or frame for your favorite reading corner, and also stickers that say both what should I read next with our logo and uh, how good it is to be among people who are reading from our patron saint, Rainer Maria Roca. If you check out our Instagram accounts at Ann Bogle and at what should I read next, you'll see what these pre-order bonuses look like. They are so pretty to see photos and get your bonuses. Go to I'd rather be I think you'll be delighted with both the book and the bonuses. So please order now you'll receive both a beautiful book or maybe two and my eternal gratitude besides now about that deadline. My team and I are mailing out these bonuses ourselves. Early sales have been strong, so we have been busy. The book comes out on September 4th, so if you order by midnight on September 3rd, you absolutely get those bonuses. But if you want to ensure that you have those bonuses in your hands before the book comes out, we're asking that you order and submit your info at idratherbereading.com. Just drop out the apostrophe and spell idratherbereading.com by Tuesday, August 14th. That will give our team time to get your good stuff in the mail and to your mailbox with the help of the United States Postal Service by release day, September 4th. Again, we will absolutely mail you your goodies anytime for those who pre-order because we want you to have them and we appreciate you so much. But to have them in your hands by release day, please order by August 14th. Pre-order your copy now wherever new books are sold. Your local indie, Barnes and Noble, Book Depository, Indigo, Amazon, wherever. This is a great way to support what we do here on What Should I Read Next? And I appreciate it so much. Thank you, readers, truly. Now, let's get to it. This is chapter one of I'd Rather Be Reading, Confess Your Literary Sins. In David Lodge's campus novel, Changing Places, two college professors, one American, one British, swap teaching roles for a year. In one memorable scene, the British academics invite their American guest to play a party game called Humiliation. Players confess important literary works they haven't yet read, and points are scored based on how many other players have already read them. The person with the most and most egregious gaps in their personal reading history wins. If everyone but you has read that book, you're going to be great at humiliation. Those fictional professors aren't the only ones who enjoy shocking and delighting their fellow readers by spilling the guilty secrets of their reading lives, sharing those works they suspect everyone but them has already read, or perhaps the books they love but feel they shouldn't. Why can we not help but laugh when we discover an English prof has never read Hamlet, as in Changing Places, or that a serious friend has a thing for Sophie Kinsella novels, or that a soft-spoken friend is obsessed with celebrity memoirs, or our friend with a religion PhD has never read C.S. Lewis? Why do these revelations delight us so? Screenwriters have a name for it. They call it the comedy gap, that gap between what we expect to happen and what actually happens. 
or in this case, what we expect a person's reading life to be like and what it's truly like. In 2011, I named my new blog Modern Mrs. Darcy because it captured the timeless and timely nature of what I wanted to write about and because I love Jane Austen. Readers, there's a footnote right here, and I didn't actually get to read these in the official audiobook. So this is your chance to know because there is a footnote right here. And this is what I tell you. Emma and Persuasion are my other very favorite Jane Austen novels, but Modern Mrs. Knightley didn't have the same ring and Anne Elliot and I share a first name and that seemed confusing. Almost exactly five years later in 2016, I started a podcast called What Should I Read Next? Devoted to book talk, reading recommendations, and literary matchmaking. The funny thing about creating a blog using a name from a Jane Austen novel or casting yourself as a literary matchmaker is how many readers you meet feel as though a conversation with you is an invitation to play humiliation. Since I began these projects, I've been surprised to find myself a magnet for readers' literary confessions. So many readers feel compelled to confess important literary works they haven't yet read, or that they love the wrong books, or that they don't read much at all lately. These readers are acutely aware of their own gap, that divide between what they think their reading lives should be like and what it's really like. Sometimes I think they're sharing in fun. They're content with their choices and opinions, but they appreciate the pleasure of divulging guilty secrets and see in me a kindred spirit, one who will appreciate their confession. But the truths of many readers' reading lives make them uncomfortable. Their gap isn't a source of amusement, but frustration. They're certain their taste is questionable, their opinions are wrong, their reading habits are poor, and it's only a matter of time before the book police track them down. They're carrying guilty reading secrets that make them feel as though they aren't real readers. They're partly terrified of being found out and partly feel they might burst if they can't tell someone their bookish secrets. Often that someone is me. These readers find me in person or online and say, I don't usually tell people this before spilling their secrets. They've never read Shakespeare or Chaucer, Bronte or Austin, Hawthorne or Dickens, or any other author you might possibly have been assigned in high school. They were assigned these books in school, but never read them. They wrote their term papers on important novels without reading the important novels. The better their grade, the worse they feel. They've never read Jane Austen. Specifically, they've never read Pride and Prejudice. They once read Jane Austen, but they don't understand the fuss. They attempted Jane Austen, but couldn't get past the first chapter. They read Pride and Prejudice, but they liked the movie better, and not even the one with Colin Firth, which they think I could understand, but the other one. The crown of their home library is a beautiful Jane Austen box set, and they still haven't read Jane Austen. They're an English lit major who did all the required reading and hated a healthy percentage of it. They think Moby Dick is trash. Also, The Sound and the Fury and Everything by James Joyce. They don't understand the love for To Kill a Mockingbird, East of Eden, The Great Gatsby, and any number of beloved American classics. They just don't care. Can you say boring? They hate Charlotte's Web, The Wind in the Willows, The Giving Tree. They hate the Twilight series so much, they want to flip over bookstore displays. They finally succumbed to the hype and read the Harry Potter series, and they think it's drivel. In the hardcover right here, we have my favorite illustration in the whole book. Okay, moving on. They teach ninth grade English by day and currently binge on the Twilight series at night for the sixth time in as many years. Please don't tell my students, they say. They don't understand how anyone could not love The Catcher in the Rye. They are obsessed with Holden Caulfield. They wonder what this says about them. They are not adolescent males, so they're pretty sure it's not good. They're obsessed with the Harry Potter books. 
They've read the Outlander series eight times. They're counting down to the next installment the way they once counted down to their wedding day or the birth of a child. They wrote Diana Gabaldon a fan letter begging her to write faster. They own 42 Cozy Mysteries, whose covers all feature a skein of yarn, a pie, or both. They are addicted to firehouse romances, the kind whose covers bear rippled torsos, and they don't even bother to buy the more sedate-looking Kindle versions anymore because the e-reader experience just isn't the same. They tried to read the latest thought-provoking National Book Award winner on the beach, but couldn't get into it. So they made an emergency vacation bookstore run for a stack of baby blue books by Ellen Hildebrand, Mary Kay Andrews, and Dorothea Benton Frank, whose covers all bore sandy beach scenes, all of which were inhaled that week. They still haven't read the award winner. They haven't read much of anything lately, unless their iPad counts, or InStyle Magazine, or the tabloid covers and the grocery checkout line. They've had the same book sitting on their nightstand for three years and haven't opened it once. They've never, not ever, read a book over 300 pages long. They've tried and tried, but they haven't enjoyed a book written by a woman in years, or a man, or a white person, or someone who doesn't live in England, or the United States, or Alaska, or the American South. They checked a book out of the library four years ago and still haven't returned it. They're afraid to show their face at the library until they pay down their overdue balance, which now equals the cost of a nice dinner out. The library canceled their card because of lost books and overdue fines. They ordered pizza so they could skip making dinner and finish their book. They ate cereal for dinner so they could finish their book. They forgot to eat dinner because they were finishing their book. The last time they finished a great story, the book hangover lasted three days. They were so caught up in their book that they let the kids draw on the walls so they could get to the last page. They locked themselves in the bathroom so they could read undisturbed. They think they might love books too much. Whatever it may be, they're sure they're the only one with this issue. Reader, whatever secret you're keeping, it's time to spill it. I'll take your confession, but the absolution is unnecessary. These secrets aren't sins. They're just secrets. No need to repent. C.S. Lewis once wrote, Friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. Reader, you are not the only one. Keep confessing to your fellow readers. Tell them what your reading life is really like. They'll understand. They may even say, You too? And when they do, you found a friend. And the beginnings of a great book club. Thanks for listening to Chapter One. Here's what happens next. We are inviting you to confess your literary sins. If you totally faked your way through a term paper or hate the book everybody else loves or fell asleep so completely during a reading of Where the Red Fern Grows in fifth grade, you're destined over backward, or you listen to a podcast about reading, but you never actually read, we, and I'm speaking for your fellow readers here, we want to hear all about it. Post your confession to your favorite social media platform with a great photo, if appropriate, and use the hashtag confess your literary sins. I'd love it if you tagged me with either or both at Ann Bogle and at what should I read next? Feel free to tag the book as well. That hashtag is I'd rather be reading. I cannot wait to see what you share. If you're not a social media user, just go straight to the podcast site. You can find these notes and this post at what should I read next podcast.com slash confess and add your confessions to comments. Readers, I hope you enjoyed today's special bonus episode. Head to the podcast site for more details on my book, I'd Rather Be Reading, The Delights and Dilemmas of the Reading Life, including all the information and links you need for those great pre-order bonuses. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash confess. 
If you are on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading and tag me when you share your literary sins. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next. Readers, that's it for this special episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.